0: Uh, little wayne on it yeah <laughs> um, let's Lil go little wayne if i were to pull up my pandora little wayne's a, a state and that's how that's how i am i say little wayne i guess not <laughs> wayne. so
1: We're back with another morning edition of champion school buys here with this coffee. And uh, I'm Ray McIntyre. Again, we are here chatting some leadership uh, and breaking it down. How you doing by
2: doing really well? I got the coffee poured. Uh, my fiance is currently making a really cool verse to put on my coffee cup that uh, she started a, a new business called first love company. It's really cool. She makes arts crafts, makes really cool cups and designs and, and custom things for weddings and different events. So, it's going to be fun to see where she goes. So she's practicing on my coffee cup, and I'm fired up about it.
1: <laughs> That'll be a That's good your time. first plug of the day, right? That's there, the first plug of the by, day. <laughs> brought to, the to you by First Love Company. There it is. Uh, how's it been going, man? What's new in your world, and uh, how have things in Major League Universities world been going, too? Yeah,
2: I think personal world. We got a, a venue secured, so the bag is secured. We are yes, locked yes. in for our wedding, so we're excited about that. Um, A lot of good stuff. Got to have some dinner there yesterday with my brother and his Um, girlfriend and their kid, which was pretty cool to go over there and and see them again. It's been a while. And um, MLU wise, we're we're doing good, man. We're getting ready for a great fall. We've got some really good events set up. We've got two or three new states, I believe, that we're going to be going to New Mexico, Texas. We'll be back in California, back in Wyoming, which will kind of be our first time in Wyoming. I'm kind of considering it like a first time with that program. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then just getting the college work organized now and, and really making sure that we're lined up on the college athletes and a lot of the mental training with those programs so we're excited really good meeting yesterday with a great college here in Arizona we're excited about that uh, we'll be working with the baseball softball teams and um, I'm pumped to get you out in front of them one and number two we're able to continue to impact the, the athletes here in the valley and, and in the nation
1: yes valor baseball up there and uh Cheyenne we're pumped to be out there again man like I, something about that trip was just like it felt homey it, it was like uh, a new environment and the people. You know, obviously the people make the trip. So excited to get back out there with those guys. Um, yep. Hey, in news, good news for the program. Also, I have an Ethernet cable now, so my internet. I don't Let's know if you guys go. can see how clean this. Where's the round of applause is. button? There. <laughs> Hit the button. Right <laughs> yeah, dude, I got it. Um, actually, got it yesterday. 100 Twitter, um Which is the 50 foot would not have been enough so i got 100 foot it's running up the wall all the way around uh, out to the living room i'm sure my wife's fired up about that but uh we got good internet back and and ready to go and i got a new fire stick for the room yesterday so uh two for two pretty good day hey, for man. amazon
2: you're winning man amazon's killing it as always and you are on the winning
1: train One to know baby One to know that's right well hey let's get into the good news of the week uh first first good news of the week uh read this article well didn't even read the article just read the headline and watched the video wild birthday party guest jumps on alligator's back after it bit its trainer and would not let it go i saw that did
2: yesterday. you see this dude that it was, was wild. insane did you see the video yeah and it looked like the arm was like a dummy it was just th- yeah. but, but here's my thing with that ray is how do you maintain the poise and relaxation from the tr- from the trainer
1: incredible at one point they both sat there calmly and asked each other their names and and you know whoever it was uh, the birthday party guest at the zoo is this older gentleman he's hanging on the back of this alligator till it finally lets go of the trainer this woman gets out of the thing and then he has to find his way off of the alligator with the, the alligator biting its leg off you know like insane shout out to that guy good news of the week number one beautiful Uh, good news of the week. Number two schools are starting to get back in session, uh, out there in Arizona too.
2: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, big time. Good news there, Ray. I'm glad you brought that up. I've asked a lot of the athletes here personally, and and just the ones who have gone back to school in general. And I've asked just, Hey, what's the difference? Would you prefer in-person online? Would you prefer this, that? And they all have said for their mental health, these are 14 to 18 year olds, some six or some 13 and 12. And they said for their mental health and just for the communication, and the experience has been huge. So having our children back in school with each other, regardless whether it's a mask or not, they're in so class. I don't care what's happening. At least they're around each other. You need to be around each other. It's so vital for these kids and their development. So that's been a massive good news. And I'm sure for the parents, that's a huge good news because yeah. you got those six to eight hours where, hey, I might be working from home still. But guess what? my children are not around. I don't have to tend to them for these six to eight hours. They can go to school, get around other people, meet some new friends. So that's been a massive good news, right? I love it.
1: Yeah, it's a huge stressor. I mean, and not that the kids are the stress. It's just that having to focus and make sure that they're doing all right, you know, 24 seven is, is a lot, you know, for a parent. So fired up schools are getting back in and uh, same thing out here in Cali, same things are going. So mm-hmm. uh, UC Davis, even they're they're going full on a, there'll be limited online courses available. So uh, they're, Nuggest. they're putting the money on the table. So fired up boring. Um, one more piece of good news, scary news. Chris Bassett last night in the A's game, uh, A's white Sox got hit in the head uh, with a line drive off the bat uh but he did roll off conscious uh he said i've been kind of following up the story uh he was conscious the entire time he's going in for some scans to make sure everything was good there's been no follow-up yet uh, but you know we're keeping him in our prayers and and uh, just want to give him a shout out and make sure he's okay love it love it so moving on this week's end It's the end of the week, hey, I just wanted you to kind of jump into visualization. You know, we've been talking a little bit about it. We have our visualization tapes. Uh, we have a link out there if you want to get on that. If you're not on the weekend newsletter, that's kind of where you get those. But uh, visualization, why is it so important? Why was it important for you? And And how does somebody kind of get started in it?
2: Yeah, it's a great question, Ray. And it's a great Zen of the week because it's ultimate Zen status, baby. We call it Zen warrior and our Zen warrior term. I hope we've coined it is uh, calm mind, relentless competitor. You got to be in control of yourself before you control your performance. So visualization is the ability to see it, feel it, and believe it before it ever happens. You see all things twice, first in your mind, second in reality. And that's why visualization is so powerful because it trains your mind to show and tell your body what to do when you get out there on the field. So whether you're in baseball, if you're in business, if you're in basketball, it doesn't matter what sport or what you're doing, you can visualize yourself having success, feeling yourself having success, noticing those emotions, and really encompassing all of your senses within the visualization. That's the, the true key power into the visualization. So I'm a huge fan of it. I remember in college, we went through it a lot. I was first introduced, I believe, our, our junior year, we had a couple of different people come in, uh, Carlene Dean, Alan Jaeger. So there's a ton of awesome people that came in and got to speak to our program and what I noticed and what I'm sure you noticed as well over those couple of years was everybody started to talk about breathing and visualization. And eventually we had to buy it. And Coach Johnson made yes. it a staple within our program. We did it every day before we went out to practice or game. It did not matter. We did not waver. And I finally bought in when it was uh, our spring season. I remember we faced Jordan Brink. He was with Fresno State and he absolutely Carved us and carved me. I was 0 for 4, 3Ks, dude, broken metal bat. He dominated. And I, I remember we faced him two weeks later and I said, This is never happening again. I'm not allowing this to happen. I'm so angry about this. Like, mind you, he's really good, but I'm not letting him do it. We're competitors. And I visualized facing him from Monday to Friday night and I saw everything, right? I saw the fastball up out of the zone, the wipeout slider in the dirt. And then I saw the mistakes in the middle of the zone. And on that game on Friday, there's 30, 40 scouts down the left field line. And I'll never forget us on about four times. And got four hits, two home runs, two long line drop base hits. So it was the best game of my career. And I credit majority of that to the visualization and the process that coach Johnson and and all of those amazing teachers of the mental game came in and taught us to use it. And it really just comes down to buying in. So visualization, the ability to see it, believe it and feel it before it ever happens. And it just starts to train your body to encompass those feelings, to encompass those motions. So if you're an athlete out there, start to visualize the mechanics that you're going to do, or maybe seeing yourself in perfect rhythm or flow and if you're making adjustments visualize those adjustments too it's going to expedite the process for you if you're a parent or a businessman or woman go out there and visualize your business thriving or visualize yourself getting into a new environment or maybe taking that next step in your life whatever that might be it's such a powerful tool and it starts to train our mind and body uh, for your ultimate higher power and purpose so we love visualization man it's a staple of our program and if you haven't yet go on over to <laughs> majoruniversity.com and subscribe to the newsletter you got four free visual- visualization exercises to help you get started, to help your children or your athletes on your team get started. It's it's so good. Uh, I highly recommend going on there and getting those.
1: Yeah, every team I've been on uh, since I've gotten to college has has used that visualization piece, Coach Johnson, Coach Hill, especially, uh, it might even be where he started that, you know, pregame breathing and visualizing. Um, but yeah, huge component, man. I mean, there's the story that is about that guy that was in jail and in prison. He was an average golfer, probably like myself. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm like a 24, 25 handicap on a good day. So, uh, you know, not a stud, but he ends up going to jail, uh, and he's locked away for, I think a year. And every day he's visualizing that course from, you know, the smells, the blades of grass, the swings he's taken, how he's hitting approach shots and, and working out of some tough spots. He goes out first day out of jail and shoots like a three over, which is incredible. I mean, he took 19 strokes off without even playing the game. So uh, really cool story. And, and the idea of visualizing is it's just setting yourself up for like deja vu, man. Like if you can see it before you know, you're running through it when it actually happens. It's just that much easier.
2: I love that. Ray, real quick, before we get into the segment, how did you and your coaching staffs implement visualization and breathing into a daily practice routine? There's a lot of coaches and parents or even parents who are travel ball coaches who are like, man, I want to do this, but I don't know how, I don't know exactly how to do it. What would you recommend for them to work it into their practice plan or just make it a staple within their program?
1: Yeah, it's, it's tough sometimes because you feel like you're so stressed for time, but really it's only five minutes. You know, if you tell your guys, we take longer than that to set the field up sometimes. So if you can get the field set up and ready to go, take those first five minutes to just lay them down in the outfield grass and literally get them to start focusing on the breath, Uh, get them to pull into the moment. Uh, I think that's the hard thing, right? When we, we go through these slumps, we start thinking about all 15 at-bats that I've had before that rather than the one at-bat in front of us. And the idea of visualizing and breathing is just getting them to draw into that moment and see them success, successful in that moment. So, um, yeah, I would I would sit them down in the outfield. Uh, Coach Sheetinger does it a lot, right, uh, with Georgia Gwinnett. Uh, check that out. He has some stuff online about it. But really just laying them down in the grass – uh, walking them through their, their high highlight reel is usually a pretty good one, or even just get them to calm down and, um, you know, feel good about themselves. Both of those mm-hmm. are, are pretty easy ways to to get the boys going. I love it. And the first thing whenever they pop up
2: is Oh, everything's so bright. And I feel so relaxed. with That calm mindset, instead right. of all that stress, pressure and, and external factors that are weighing on your game. I mean, we go through a lot. So just using that to breathe, like you said, to say, let's just breathe for five minutes and just slow it down. We've had school, we've had girlfriends, we've had family, there's a lot of things that are coming at us. Let's just slow it down and give some time for me. I love it, Ray. It's so good.
1: Yeah, it's a easier said than done, folks. I, I had a yes. golden sombrero in my Sunday's game. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the next one. That's all I can say. Uh, next anyways, the next pitch, baby. Uh, speaking of next pitch, we're going into a talk with Doc McMullen, one of our best best friends, closest people, uh, new dad, actually. Uh, let me give you the rundown, by the way. He talks about this. I didn't know he was at this many colleges. So check this. Uh golden west college uc riverside umass usc nevada chapman puget sound chapman that's wow. been this man's path and he breaks it all down with us. he talks leadership uh and you know he just has a good chat so uh looking forward to it and if you could hit the button for that conversation with cam <laughs> we're back uh and this time we have another great guest uh someone that you guys should be familiar with at this point he's one of our great friends and uh a newly made dad actually uh new to that world so uh doc cam mcmullen uh assistant coach at chapman how are you doing man i'm doing good buddy how are you guys fantastic uh coach byler how are you buddy
2: i'm doing great man i got a beautiful smile this morning i'm good. uh took the my sister to work for the first time which was interesting at 7 a.m i don't know if she's ever woken up before 7 a.m <laughs> in her life so that was good and it was joyful actually i was impressed so good day but papa doc man let's go we're fired up to have you back on cam i feel like we're here every other week uh and we need to make it weekly so i'm excited about this one
0: anything for you guys you know that
1: For those of you, for those that are maybe first time listeners, you want to give them a little bit of background on you and, uh, how you got to where you're at today.
0: Absolutely. So
1: for those that are unaware, like
0: Austin and Ray said, my name is Cam McMullen. I'm the recruiting coordinator at Chapman university here in Southern California. Um, as a little bit of context, I grew up not far away in Huntington beach, um, I wanted to get away for school, so I figured there were only a handful of states farthest away from California and ended up getting a real cool opportunity to play at the University of Massachusetts and loved my time in uh, in New England, met some amazing people, some amazing teammates, had an awesome experience, everything I wanted, you know, traditional college experience, college town, football, it was awesome. Um, from there, knew that coaching was the path that I wanted to go down. So I, I jumped right into a graduate program at USC. I wanted to get that done so I could start getting into the profession, learning, just trying to figure out as much as I could. So once I finished up at SC, um, I was lucky enough to get on with, uh, with coach Kent Madol at Irvine Valley through one of my best friends that you guys should all know, Tony Capcelli, who's now in the, the oh, doctor's man. organization. So he had um, done a lot of that for me. And, you know, as aside from, from being one of my closest friends, he's been a, a huge professional mentor. So um, that was a really cool first step in the door to get to learn from him and and to get to be in a really competitive junior college conference, from there um, we spent the summer up in Alaska with the Anchorage Bucks and and that really spawned you know what what led to all of us meeting and making the transition to the University of Nevada and you know I'll always be grateful for Gary Powers giving me my first opportunity to get my foot in the door and um, you know be at the Division One level and just get thrown right into that world and and have to learn and it was a really cool experience and from there was fortunate enough to be able to stay on coach Johnson's staff for two years. And after that uh, coach Bruce's staff for two years and uh, five years in total at the university of Nevada. And while I was there as well, was um, put in a pretty cool position to be able to do my PhD. And without coach Johnson and coach Bruce's understanding, I would never have been able to do it. And so I'm forever in debt to both of them for letting me pursue those sorts of things. And from there, I knew I, wanted to coach and wanted to start learning. And, you know, when you're in the the ops role, it's just a little more on campus. It's a little more administrative. And and so I knew that part of my growth was getting out and recruiting and meeting people and learning how to evaluate and learning how to forecast and project. And so I knew that I wanted to try another level out, having spent five years at Nevada. Um, And it was one of those right place, right time situations where coach Laverty here at Chapman had a, a position available and, I made that transition and um, got on with a, a great coaching staff and was able to get out and recruit and meet people and start learning those sorts of things. About nine, ten months later, had a pretty cool opportunity to go up to the Pacific Northwest up in Washington um, as an associate head coach at the University of Puget Sound. And um, Thanks to Coach Halstead up there, that was my first opportunity to do a lot of things that I had wanted to do on this path to becoming a head coach, you know, help with scheduling, um, run the offense, coordinate the defense, get to, you know, kind of put my own personality on on the players that we brought in and how we were going to build the program. And for that, I'm forever going to be in debt to coach Halstead and that's Austin kind of how we started our, you know, professional relationship um, and, and I'll kind of pause on that for, for a moment. Um, And we can circle back if, if you wanted to, but from there, you know, we had planned to be there for a couple of years and in the unique coaching world that we live in um, coach Fox, the previous recruiting coordinator at Chapman had an opportunity to leave and go become a a head coach. And when that happened, coach Laverty called and um, you know, said that he wanted me to come back as the recruiting coordinator. And that was certainly something that my family and I were interested in and uh, we made that switch, and it was a pretty chaotic, <laughs> pretty chaotic year because it was a move. Sasha and I got married, and then a move back down, so it was a little a little turbulent, you might say, but um I just believe we were exactly where we were supposed to be, and everything worked out exactly the way it was supposed to. And here we are going into the fall of uh, this will be year four at Chapman, and like. Uh, like Austin and Ray suggested, we just welcomed a, a baby girl into our family. Her name's Caroline. And uh, it's been cool adjusting to becoming a dad. And I say adjusting, like I have any clue what I'm doing. So I just, <laughs> yeah. it, it's one of those fake it till you make it moments. Like, yeah, I got this fatherhood thing figured out. So. <laughs> um, but it's been pretty awesome. And, um, you know, I'm hopeful that over the coming years, maybe there's a chance to transition into a head coach role, but uh, we're really happy here at Chapman, and. Uh, not in a incredible rush to leave this place. That's for sure.
2: Yes. I think uh, we just spent some time down in Irvine and that is exactly where you are living. And we're a little jealous because of the greenness and the openness and how beautiful it is down there. So I think it could be worse, (laughs) but I'm getting to spend some time around coach lab and yourself, cam and learning from you guys and seeing what you guys are doing with that program down there at Chapman university has been really cool. And um, just the, the, the in-depth, detail that goes into your recruiting you guys are a different school where you kind of have to have a certain gpa and a few different requirements in most schools to get in so i'm sure it's got to be a challenge but um, i'm curious cam because just because of your background you played or coached, sorry under so many different coaches right you've had coach powers bruce um, laverty johnson etc and um, coach halstead right and there's so many really good coaches that you've been able to learn from and your goal is to be a, a head coach one day and, and run your own program what is that how do you maintain that learner's mindset and I almost call it like the rookie's mindset when it's really easy as humans to want to go to that next leap or or take that next jump to maybe a head coaching role or or a high level division one recruiting coordinator role, right? How do you stay, I guess, in the present moment and kind of be where your feet are for lack of better terms in your positions throughout this whole time from the ops position all the way up to associate head coach?
0: Yeah, it's a really unique aspect of this profession. And one thing I've at least attempted to want to do is is share a lot of those same components you just brought up from uh, from a mentality perspective and each role is going to have its unique responsibilities and and Ray you obviously understand it having done the ops position for a handful of years as well the the work is a little different but the way you prepare it isn't necessarily that much different mm. you know the way that you're putting together an itinerary for spring travel is different than putting together a scouting report for Mississippi state and Omaha, but like the intent in which you have to put it together, doesn't really change the way you approach the work doesn't really change. So I've tried to at least take that mentality and attitude to whatever work that um, we might be doing. And obviously in this case, in this role, it's predominantly geared around recruiting. So we just want to make sure that we have a really good understanding of you know, the players that we need to see, the events we need to be at, the coaches we need to touch base with, the scouts we need to coordinate with. And like you said, our recruiting is a little different here at Chapman and we're pretty uniquely positioned to be able to recruit kids that have professional aspirations. And, you know, over the last handful of years, five guys in pro ball in the last three or four years, we've had a third rounder. We have a handful of other guys that we think are going to be really exciting. It just takes a little bit of a little bit more perspective in how we have to recruit and evaluate. So a lot of what we're trying to forecast is not necessarily, do we think this kid can be a good player at Chapman? It's do we think this kid can develop for professional baseball? And that's how we're having to recruit and evaluate. And so part of that is finding the balance. Like you said, we want him to contribute in the short term, But we still need to try and project three, four, five years in the future when he gets to draft year, when he gets to senior year, things like that. So it's a super delicate balance of like this role, you pretty much have to live in the future, but still understand that your success is going to be how you approach the daily, the weekly, the monthly rhythms of whatever you're doing. And so I've at least tried to you know, rely on people that have been influences in my life. You guys, like I mentioned, Tony um, talking with coach Bruce and coach Johnson, just, you know, those schedules get so busy that I'll, I'll try and just take a minute here, a minute there just to, to understand and learn certain things. But I think more than anything, it's just being really lucky to be around great coaches that have kind of helped me understand the ropes, especially as I was, you know, kind of a younger coach learning all this. So, you know, like most things in life, it's just, taking things from people that are smarter than i am
1: and <laughs> yeah. just trying to like
0: massage them into my own personality i guess
1: yeah that's the the abca motto right there brother <laughs> you know nobody really makes up their own stuff anymore and it's just your delivery well, it's
0: it's so funny you say that cuz i remember when i was doing my dissertation like i remember having this conversation with my committee and i just kept asking them because there's this super delicate balance when you're doing any academic research to the balance of like how you're citing things, but you can't cite everything because then you're not saying anything. Then you're just taking everything from like other people. And I kept going to my committee. I was like, I don't know what to do. Like how many different ways can I say that trust is important to leadership? without it being plagiarism like you have to help me out here like I don't know where my thoughts start and like someone else's end this whole convoluted thing of like do I have any of my own thoughts or am I just taken from all these academic journals and trying to piece it all together
1: well yeah at the same time though you're going like people are like make up your own stuff but it's like there's only 16 answers man like these are all (laughs) these are the answers like I don't know if you want me to tell you the wrong answers I could do that but this is it um, uh, you, so obviously you were a little bit before the NLI, uh, wave came through at you know, Arizona is pretty big promoter of it right now. And whatnot, I just want to get your thoughts. Uh, you know, you guys have some high profile guys. Don't know if you're going to have anybody that's, you know, a Nike face of Nike at your school, but, uh, what are your thoughts on the NLI? Is that going to change the way people approach the draft too? That's kind of an interesting look at it.
0: I think potentially, um, truth be told, at our level, I don't think it's going to be something that we experience too much. Um, we're pretty fortunate that we can recruit some guys that do have professional aspirations, but, you know, Nick Garcia, our our third rounder, he's, he's an anomaly. You know, we're not under any illusions that we're turning out, you know, top five, top 10 rounders year after year after year. Now we have over the course of our program, but that's kind of a unique situation, um, so we do have a couple players. Our center fielder's a Barstool athlete. You know, we have a couple, um, a couple of our players that have pretty substantial TikTok followings and things like that. And um, as long as it doesn't become an issue on or off the field, I really have no preference. I mean, if it's something that they can do for themselves, then why would I be against that? You know, it's something that if they can balance their academics, if they can balance their athletics, if they can still get in the weight room, do their treatment, make sure their grades are good. And, you know, if they can put themselves in a position to benefit financially, then sounds good to me. I got no issues with it whatsoever. But as far as any lucrative, you know, sponsorships, lucrative endorsements, I don't see that, you know, trickling down to our level too often, maybe a a box of free barstool apparel or something like that but i don't i don't see any um you know any sort of uh value as far as being like the quarterback at clemson dj yongalala or being like bryce young at alabama i i don't think that we're going to be seeing any bentley's rolling into our <laughs> <line anytime soon. laughs>
2: no dr pepper sponsorships here
0: <laughs> no no i can't imagine uh, oh. i can't imagine that we'll see that too often but uh you know, time will tell more than anything. I just think it's really exciting that we're finally getting to a point where, you know, the consensus perspective is this has gone on for a long time. The way it has been, there's potentially a way we can do this a little more efficiently and a little more, um, you know, economically for everyone involved. So I just think it's really cool that we're we're looking at things from a different perspective. And I've always been a believer not to go like too far off, but I've always been a believer that you don't have to do things a certain way just because they've been done that way for so long. If there's a better way to do something, like let's explore it. Let's see what it can be. And I think we're finally at a really cool period as far as student athletes, as far as being able to profit, as far as name image and likeness and all those sorts of things. So I think we're at a really cool point and how things are going to evolve over the coming years. And, you know, obviously it's going to be whatever football wants to do. And then we'll just kind of see how things trickle down our level.
2: That's so true. And I, you bring up a couple of really good points, Cam, with that. And uh, one, it's crazy to see all the athletes starting to benefit off of this, which is a good thing. I know there's, I believe, two twins uh, or something like that in the women's basketball realm who are on, like, in the middle of New York, just up on one of the billboards. <laughs> like, how cool is that? like You're a college athlete on the billboard. Like, No matter what else happens. Hey, at least you got to be on a billboard, you know, that's pretty sweet. But I think about all the distractions that athletes have, and especially at a school like yours, where academics are a very high priority, you touched a couple of times on, Hey, we, we have professional aspirations. A lot of your athletes go on in the business world and do really well for themselves in different realms outside of baseball and sports. But how do you help your athletes stay focused in a college season? And for a lot of our viewers, we have a lot of young coaches out there and a lot of parents and families who are just looking for direction. How do you help your athletes as a coach from that from that standpoint stay focused and eliminate some of the distractions that might go along with being a collegiate athlete?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And that's, you know, 95% of our time, especially once we get into our spring season. And you know, we experience it to certain levels. Um, we're pretty fortunate as a program where, you know, our goal each year is to be playing in the postseason and, and making deep postseason runs. And you know, even when we get to something like a super regional or a world series, we don't have the media responsibilities that you would if, you know, you're going to Omaha or things like that. So it's not necessarily too much from that side of it, but, you know, we still do experience a lot of the same things that other programs do. It's just on a different level. Like all our kids have insecurities. All our kids have fears and doubts and confidence issues, just like every other kid does. Every kid goes out and wants to find the balance of being able to help our team win but also you know show all those professional evaluators in the stands that they can perform at the next level so it's a super delicate balance and most of how we attempt to mitigate it is through the recruiting process and we try and tell them look man if Chapman's where you want to be you're going to have to understand we can't hide you anywhere you're going to come here and you're going to be under a little bit of a different spotlight and what we mean by that is I don't mean this in any disrespectful way at all to any of our other programs or coaches, but we don't have any NFL players on our football team. We don't have any NBA players on our basketball team. And that's cool. But there's a conceivable chance Nick, our guy that went in the third round could be in the big leagues over the next couple of years. That's a real, that's a real thing. And so Part of it is understanding that our administration, our teachers, our faculty, they understand that the kids we recruit come in because they want to play professional baseball. They want to make it to the big leagues. So they already have a little bit of a different um, lens in which they're viewed through. Is that good or bad? I don't know, but that's the reality of the situation. So that's the first part of it is we say, look, you can't hide here. You just can't, Mm. I'm sorry. And so if you want to go do the study abroad, if you want to go join a fraternity, that's great, but you're going to have to go somewhere else to do that. And so once we get them on the visit and once we get them on campus, we say, look, the reason that we've been able to have the success that we've had is one, we've had a billion great coaches before us that have laid this foundation. And two, because our guys know exactly what we're about. And we want guys that want a great education because we can't get you into school if you don't. We want guys that want to compete for four national championships while they're here because we feel pretty confident in saying that we're one of a few schools at any level in, in the collegiate baseball spectrum where you're going to have a chance to compete for four national championships while you're here. Is it going to work out that way? Most likely not. But you'll be in those situations. You'll be playing in the postseason. We'll be competitive in all of those types of moments that we want. And then last, We want guys that want to play professional baseball. And so when we're upfront about those three things, when guys come into the program, we've got them. We know they're about the right things. And so if they are veering off the path a little bit, we can sit down and have this talk, man. It's like, look, did you just come in and tell us you want these things, but you don't actually want to do it? And they're like, no, coach, I do. Like, well, then you need to start doing it because it's incredibly competitive to get time in our program. We have six or seven pitchers that get 95 percent of our innings we have seven position players that get 95 percent of the at-bats and then there's that final five percent on both ends that are competing for spots so if you're letting things off the field kind of take our guys in different directions it's going to be pretty noticeable quickly because there's so much competition there's so much um, that goes into to our program and the one thing that we always tell our guys is, you know, especially in this transfer market, transfer portal, college free agency world that we're living in, we're one semester away from having two or three kickbacks that come in. And so you have to be prepared for that. You can't be scared of it. You can't be scared of competition because if you are, you're not going to make it. And we don't say that to be like anything but honest. If you do not thrive in a competitive setting, we are just not going to be the place for you. So we just want to be as upfront and honest as possible with players. And I think when we do that on the front end, all of those things that you just mentioned, which are so valuable as far as understanding perspective, ignoring the noise, making sure that they're focusing on the right things, kind of just take care of them themselves And so we can kind of help just make sure if they're veering off the road, we just get them back in a little bit. If they're getting too high, we'll just bring them back towards the middle. If they're getting a little too low, we just try and bring them back towards the middle. So we try and do like 99% of that work on the front end so that once they get within the program, it's just all the normal 1% things that we're trying to control them on. Like they're away from home. It's nice outside. There's pretty girls everywhere. It's just yeah. those things yeah. that, you know, all coaches have to deal with, with, uh, with these young men that we're, that we're working with. So all in all, most of it will come down uh, to clear communication in the recruiting process. And then we just work as a staff to kind of uh, adjust to each moment that, that may come up throughout, whether it be the fall or the spring.
2: Love that. And I love how upfront and honest you guys are with them. In the beginning, you set the expectation and the boundary early. And it's just like you said, you do all the work on the front end, right? And then you give them hey, this is, if you're going to come here and be a part of our university, a part of our program, this is what to expect. This is what you're getting into. Are you ready to sign up for this? You know, and we're firm believers here, Cam. I know you are too. The off the field takes care of the on the field and knowing your background in leadership and having the PhD in leadership and teaching a class and a course on it and having some amazing amazing students as well. How does that blend into your coaching style? Do you see any of that kind of uh, transferring over? I know you've kind of got to be a a leader as a coach, right? You have an expectation to be that leader. You're leading these young men in the right direction for more than just the sport. But how do you use that leadership background that you have in the scientific aspect of it, or maybe the studied aspect of it into the application of the leadership on the field with your players?
0: Yeah, man, it's it's a real passion, that's for sure. And that was really the driving force of wanting to pursue the, the doctoral work with it. Um, and, and that's really what made grad school, I think, a bit, for the lack of a better word, easier than undergrad was everything that we were studying, I was super into. And so it just made the whole process much easier because you're just interested in everything. And so starting from that point, that really you know, kind of meshed well with what my coaching personality was, I guess, to use somewhat of a cliche phrase. But one of the biggest things that at least I've wanted to help um, Coach Laverty, our head coach, with is potentially understand some of the guys that are better suited for leadership, whether it be their personality, whether it be their fit within the program, and other guys where it's, you know, it's probably best to just let this guy do his own thing and understand that he's one of those, Like to use a great expression that I've always loved as far as any team. um, And it came from a book uh, above the line uh, that Urban Meyer book from when he was at Ohio State and he talked about the 1080 10 rule. It's just a nice, easy way to understand it where 10% of the guys on your team are going to do everything a coach asks just because they're a good kid and that's the way they're raised. The bottom 10% aren't going to do anything that a coach says because that's just, they like doing their own thing. And it's the 80% in the middle that you need to worry about. So you need to try and maybe get it to Hey, 15% at the top and then 10% at the bottom, or maybe, Hey, 20% at the top, 70 in the middle and 10% at the bottom. And so you have to be super cautious of where that middle goes. And so that's one thing I've always tried to keep in my mind as best as possible. Is like, there are going to be kids. We don't need to spend much time with because they were raised properly. They're just, you know, that perfect personality that just does what the coach wants, does it the right way is a good teammate. And then you have the other side of it where they, they're they not really bad kids or anything. They just, they kind of like doing their own thing. They, they kind of uh, get a little get a little sideways with structure. They get a little sideways when you put them in this little perimeter. So you kind of just let them do their thing and hope they don't go too rogue. <laughs> you kind of just like, you just keep them in a little bit. And then it's the others in the middle that you need to spend the time with. And so that's at least where we try and identify who are the guys that we can get a little closer to the top 10%. The ones that are, you know, maybe they're freshmen and they just want to fit in. They're young, they're insecure. They're away from home. They're like, who's going to give me the most social capital to fit in with this team? That guy? Oh, and then we as coach like, oh no, 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 no. We're going to get you over here on this side. <laughs> and so you just try and adhere to all those things. And um, you try and just make sure that that we have an understanding of who the personalities are. And there's a definitive law of diminishing returns when it comes to leadership, where if you put too much on a kid and he can't handle it, it's going to influence the on-field product. And Mm -hmm. if you have a kid at a premium position on the field, whether it be catcher, shortstop, center, you pick, if their performance starts slipping, is the leadership that valuable? I I don't know. And that's a case by case thing where each coach is going to have to somewhat differentiate. And then you have some kids that thrive in the leadership role and they can handle the pressures. They can handle all that's associated with it, but it's a really hard thing for young kids, especially ones that are going through a lot emotionally, hormonally, uh, things like that. It's a pretty tough thing to go to one of your boys and say, Hey man, that's unacceptable. We can't do that. You need to be better. That's a really hard thing to do because then you got to go home and live with them too. Yeah, that takes a pretty good. advanced player but the good news is from time within our program uh, guys get more comfortable doing that and guys transition into their own their own roles and we want to obviously find the balance of having some guys that can lead on the pitching staff having some guys that can lead at each position group whether it be catcher infield outfield whatever the case may be so especially at our level where we're not we're not having the same amount of hours in the fall that we can have like at the division one level. Um, We really need independent thinkers, guys that can do things on their own. And and basically, again, just reverting back to recruiting. We tell kids and families two things is there's two things that we're not going to do when you come into this program, we're not going to hold your hand and we're not going to babysit you. So if you don't want to do your things, don't do it, but you're not going to last very long. And so we just want to be upfront about those sorts of things, but what makes our situation somewhat unique is this last year was the first time we've ever had a commit who turned down division one opportunities to come to Chapman. And that's wow. new for us. And so that's something that we're really excited about to see. Uh, we just had our first commit in the 22 class and he turned down a handful of D ones in the Midwest. Cause he, he just, he wants to come to Chapman. He wants to develop. He wants to play pro ball. he, wants to be outside between January and March. And like (laughs) all of those things are tied into what we want. Like, could you imagine the maturity it has for a 17 year old kid to say, I don't think those D one opportunities are best for me. I think that D three in California is the best opportunity for me. Like, that's awesome. That's so cool that that kid has the maturity to be able to understand this isn't about social media. It's not about Twitter. It's not about any of that it's about coming in and having a chance to make your dream of playing professional baseball come true. Oh yeah. And if it doesn't work out, you've got a great degree from Chapman and you're going to do whatever you want. And like, that's Mm. the first moment from a recruiting perspective where we're starting to break through and we're starting to be able to get these players from around the country where it's like, how are we getting him? (laughs) This is working out. But for some reason, I think, the authenticity, the clear communication and, and all of that just comes in. And I think part of where our success comes from a leadership perspective is just recruiting those personalities. And then they come in and they just have the freedom to go be themselves. That's so good.
1: Yeah. You guys are on the right track, man. Coach Lab for anybody that doesn't know him is one of the best people I've met in the coaching industry and, and the baseball realm just a stand-up dude and um a father himself you know and, and doing it too so uh by i want to give you a chance to get cam one more question uh before we got a quick game for you to wrap up Bye. you don't even know about this yet oh my gosh
2: i like it i like surprises yeah. uh, this so is start start sweating a little bit <laughs> <laughs> i'm trembling in my shoes <laughs> what's going on here when i talk really slow <laughs> cam for um, an inside joke though before these questions uh we love getting close to the mic and going jocko willing because we got to take uh-huh. extreme ownership right <laughs> i love it uh we just try to be somebody cool i don't know model X- i thought
0: you were. i thought you're gonna say good
2: <laughs> <laughs> you like having a baby
0: good <laughs> i got I got, a, I got extreme ownership in there i got the dichotomy of leadership and in, in my library over there i'm a big jocko fan too
2: let's go uh, get the audible and i think i'm gonna start reading them so how <laughs> okay. good but um last thing before we get into those questions cam is amongst your journey right you've been so many different places you've had the opportunity to teach in the classroom teach on the field I believe that all leaders and teachers in some way some sort whether it's by the words you say or by your actions that you take I um, mean you're at you're in a unique situation right recruiting to a d3 where a little less rules and regulations uh, according to the division ones or I guess in comparison to them um, but a very good opportunity to play and I'm a big believer that at all levels there's so many good coaches and people that can develop you as a human being um, and for you in that recruiting process setting that standard early. Um, how do you as a leader and as a coach balance your own time? Because I'm very curious because a lot of coaches, man, I think COVID opened the eyes for everybody in this world that hey, I can take some time away from what I do all the time and my identity is not always found. And getting to the top or being the best athlete, Uh, but having some other time off the field, you just had a baby, you have a beautiful wife. um, You have so much going on in your life, but you're also leading a program and helping these young men develop. How do you balance your own time and how do you still find time for yourself as a coach at a high level doing incredible things? And Oh, by the way, you still teach too, right? So there's a lot going on. So how do you find that time and space for yourself, Cam?
0: Yeah, man, I, I think, Luckily, from a personality perspective, um, I've always been pretty good at managing time. I've always tried to be organized. Um, and, and from that perspective, I think it helps me kind of compartmentalize the day a little bit. And from, I mean, you guys know, there was a point in my life at Nevada where it was at the field at probably 5, 5.30 a.m. and didn't leave till about, I don't know, 10.30, 11 p.m. You guys saw it. I mean, you were there experiencing it and and there was a point in my life where I was willing to sacrifice everything to to make this dream come true. And and I think that's something that's really valuable for young coaches. Like you have to understand there's going to be this sacrificial point of your career where it needs to be your life for one year, two years. Now I did it for a little longer than maybe most would, but that's the decision I made. And and I don't say that for sympathy or anything. That's just the way it was. But now with where I'm at. And obviously Caroline has given a lot more perspective to my life. Like I'm not willing to sacrifice my family or health or anything like that to, to chase this dream anymore. I have I've done that, but I'm really happy here at Chapman. I think part of that is, um, just what you brought up It part of what goes into this balance is being in a place you love. And I'm really happy at Chapman. I love what we're doing. I love, the institution that I get to represent. And so that's the first thing is like, I'm really happy with life right now. Yeah. And I think coming out of COVID, it, it put in a perspective how unhappy a lot of people were. And so I don't take that for granted anymore. I'm not, I'm not in a rush to leave a place that I'm very <laughs> happy. So that's kind of the first, you know, attitude perspective of all of it. But second is, you know, understanding that most of my life right now is, Um, serving others particularly my wife Sasha and and our daughter Caroline and um, you know that's a pretty big uh, slightly overwhelming task at times and so understanding that I mean Biles we were just joking around before like understanding hey I might like working out at night but I'm going to have to figure out some other time to like get a workout. in, just based on, you know, what Caroline's doing, she's the most important thing right now. And um, Sasha is the most important thing right now. And, and they're the priority. And so mm. um, once you get past that, then it's like, okay, now we have some time left. What do I need to do now? There's two things that I've always tried to incorporate in my life. Just personally, one is an activity that I don't have to think while doing it, And that's usually my workout and I I love CrossFit. And and there was a time in my life where I interned as a CrossFit coach um, at a facility and loved it. And it still continues to be a huge part of my life. And during COVID, I built a little (laughs) garage gym that I'm pretty stoked about with like kettlebells, dumbbells, pull-up bar, you know, dip bar, all those sorts of things. So I can go in there, turn my mind off and and get an awesome workout. And, And that's like that's as much therapy as it is what I get to enjoy and love doing. So that's a huge part of um, kind of that balancing act and making sure that I'm not tipping too far in either direction. And the one other thing that's probably a little unique is um, I understand I might be an outlier in this one, but I enjoy doing something that I really struggle at like that I'm not good at. And that I think is really challenging. So just as a thing over the, the last, I don't know, a couple months during COVID, like I've started trying to learn French and it's really hard because I'm not good at it. So (laughs) I like having the mental struggle like of being really bad at something and having to learn it. And I know that sounds weird, but like I enjoy going through that process of learning and, and trying to understand something that I have no previous concept or connection to. And that's been really stimulating mentally and I just think kind of throughout life, we can get into cruise control a little bit and just mm-hmm. you know, go with what's comfortable. And when you jump into a situation that's uncomfortable, whether it be trying to figure out parenting or trying to learn a language that you've never had a connection with, I, I think that the other end of the spectrum of turning your mind off while you're working out or doing whatever, and then having your mind be overly stimulated to the point where it's like freaking out because it doesn't get it. I think that balance is really good. And then in the middle, you're trying to just kind of like, go through your recruiting or your work or your PowerPoints for class, whatever the case may be. So I like having both sides of the spectrum and then having most of my life exist within the middle yeah. of those sorts of yeah. things.
2: Uh, it's so good, Cam. And, and just to kind of beat off that Ray, and then we'll get into those questions is um, reading a book right now called the subtle art of not giving a, f-bomb right and it's a, it's a great book it's a little different outside the box uh he's very creative with his writing and, and it kind of draws you in and i was turned off at first because i wasn't used to it right it was something different and i started reading my it. man it's pretty good but the the chapters i just wrapped up with was nobody who's ever been successful or, or accomplished greatness in whatever way you might define that ever got there without struggle and so you going through the mental struggle there, learning something new or pushing yourself or even going to your lift at one thirty instead of six thirty at night, right? Because you got your baby and your wife and people to take care of in your life that truly mean a lot to you is uh, nobody in life gets anything worth having without struggling it. So that was huge. And, um, even before that can I want to go back to, to, um, if you haven't listened to it, or if you're new to our podcast, go back and listen to our previous podcast with Cam about his, um, I call it your own dichotomy of leadership and, and really your own philosophy that you put together um, with your formula, which is incredible. So if you didn't get a chance to check that out before I forget, go back and check that out um, after you listen to this one, because it's really good to have a a clear philosophy on what is leadership.
0: Yeah, man, it it was a pretty unique thing in life when I ran upstairs and got super excited to tell my wife I, I learned how to say hello how are you what's your name in French I was like that was like as proud as when I finished my dissertation
2: <laughs>
1: That's right. uh, and, and you had mentioned that for anybody that hasn't had kids or worked with youth when you're the only one and there's three four kids one kid around you are the adult in these situations so when something bad happens you know when when sh- hits the fan it's your, it's on you now. Like you have to do it. There's no one else to turn to, you know? So it's, it's the real eye opener on the leadership side. Um, our game for you, my man, you're, you're going to be one to do that. Who knows this might suck, but we're gonna let it ride. <laughs> uh, it's called on it or off it. You, you know, by yourself similar, you're either on it or off it. I'm going to give you 10 things. You're going to give me a quick, yeah, I'm on it or I'm off it. And just a one sentence as to give me a reason why. Okay, so just so I
0: am crystal clear, on it means I am thumbs up for it, off it, I'm down, I'm out. Okay, not a big stock market guy. I don't exactly have a lot of disposable (laughs)
1: income to be able to to do this. It's either going like this or it's going like this. Perfect, (laughs) easy enough. All right, here we go. Number one, strawberry ice cream.
0: Definitely on it. Strawberry (laughs) is a favorite of mine, whether it be in the form of milk, the berry itself, anything very pro strawberry love that airpods i am off of it i am if you can believe it off screen here i still have those red beats like earbud. i just like those for whatever reason i don't know why i it probably makes me more of like an old dad i guess but i like those <laughs> for whatever reason. I like the way they fit my ears and i just believe you don't have to have those in at all times when you're living your life
1: I couldn't agree more. Beiler is probably on the other end of that. I'm that on it. Shocker. On. Shocker. <laughs> uh, San Francisco Giants winning the World Series this year.
0: I have to say off of it. And here's why. If you don't remember, I have to be accountable for this Beiler. Do you remember last year when I went on that like 10-minute 15 minute tirade about how the giants were four to five years away, how they were an absolute mess with all these contracts. I have to be accountable to that take. And now in hindsight, I am potentially ready to eat my own words. So I have to be accountable to that take. Uh, it was not looking like the best of takes at this point in time. So I got it. I got to be true to it.
1: I, I get it. The Olympics in general, the Olympics. I
0: am off of the Summer Olympics, but I am on the winter. I've always preferred the Winter Olympics because it's something that um, I just think there are more sports that, that don't quite get the same platform, whether it be the speed skating or the luge or the ski jump or bobsled, I just think it's more of a, a little bit of variety in, in something that I am not familiar with, so I love getting to
1: watch the Winter Olympics. The skeleton is the scariest oh my thing of all <laughs> time. Oh uh, little Wayne on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, like let's Lil go. Little Wayne. If I were to pull up my Pandora, Little Wayne's a, a st- and that's how that's how I am. I say Little Wayne. I guess not. <laughs> Wayne. So um, yeah, he's a, he's a personal favorite as far as the workouts go. TikTok. Off. Don't have it on my phone. Have no desire to have any connection to it. But admittedly, that kind of stems to all social media.
1: Hey. And you're a dad now. Don't need to don't need to see it. Uh cryptocurrency. Off of it. Again, I don't understand regular currency enough. I don't
0: need to dive into like this virtual currency.
1: <laughs> yep. There you go. Little league world series
0: off not because I think it's anything other than awesome I just don't have a personal interest in in it that much I do think it's great for the sport and I do love the attention that it gets and I think it's a really cool thing to experience and uh, from that perspective I love it but just personally not not the not my cup of tea
1: pineapple on pizza
0: oh as far off as possible <laughs> thank I you love, thank you I love pineapple but
1: I love pizza and I just <laughs> don't know that those two are <laughs> not there, the yet. blend. Last one, newly uh, acquainted dad, changing diapers.
0: I'm on it because there are like, it's hard to describe and I know you guys will understand it eventually. Uh, Cause I didn't understand it until now, but like there are no words to describe how awesome it is to just like spend any time like looking at, your child and whether it's that which they can be pretty gross <laughs> it's still just like one of the coolest things ever so uh, anything with her um
1: i'm on it for sure you've dominated this segment um we are going to try and wrap this up so you can go spend some more time with your daughter caroline and and beautiful wife sasha bye did you have anything else to wrap up with you coach cam mcmullen you're the man dude once again we can't thank you enough dude
2: Yeah, we're super grateful for you, Cam. Just everything, your friendship over the last seven, eight years now, however long it's been, just keeps growing, man. It's been really cool. We're excited to see you this fall and and just continue to follow your progress as as you continue to go on. And I want to say a special thank you to you because without you, nobody really knows this, but without you, we wouldn't be where we are today. I remember 2018, you called me and we started talking. You're like, hey, would you have any interest in coming and, and helping our players at Puget Sound just believe in themselves? Like, hey, nobody thinks they can play pro ball like at least get one guy to maybe think he can. And I believe Nick, um, I think olts, I believe is his last name, Nick. Awesome guy, man. He ended up going on and playing some indie ball, which was pretty cool out of that, but got to meet some really good athletes. But without you allowing me to come in there in 2019 in January in the freezing cold sleet and snow in Tacoma, Washington, we would not be where we are today, man. So thank you for what you've done and for the sacrifices you've made and all the amazing leadership that you've had, uh, not only on the field, but within your family and within our friendship. So it's been an honor, man.
0: Dude, don't even mention it. It was something that was happy to able to do. And I didn't really even do anything other than you stayed at our apartment and cooked you dinner a couple of times. You, you did the that's rest. enough. You, that's the enough. Rest. And, <laughs> you know, that's one of the things that just for any young coach that, that just might be listening. Um, if you can understand that, like what we're doing, like as me personally is such a small part of the whole process. Like if, if you can get past the ego perspective of understanding, there are just going to be some players that don't connect with my personality. And that's fine. That's okay. Maybe those players respond to having someone like Austin, having someone like Ray, having a different perspective. Maybe it's just from hearing someone different, like whatever Mm -hmm. it takes at the end of the day, getting the players to develop, putting them in positions to succeed and, and putting them in a positive perspective for success is it's all that matters. It's really all that matters, whether that comes from something I say, something coach Laverty says, something that coach Johnson, coach Bruce, whoever, whatever it is, just finding different ways to connect with them. And, and I thought that that would be a really cool experience for them to come up and hear from you, hear from your perspectives and, you know, just wanted to provide some sort of a platform and, you just ran with it. Like, like we knew you would. So it was really cool to see and really cool to more than anything. It's just cool to like see and remember the conversations we had when MLU was like literally just an idea. It was nothing other than a thought in your head and like seeing where it is now. That's pretty cool just from my perspective. So I I feel pretty lucky to just kind of have seen the evolution of it. And I'm just continuing to uh, be so excited for where it's going. That's for sure.
2: We appreciate that cam. You're the man. Get back to your, your, your wife and your daughter. (laughs) I go have some fun, man. I appreciate (laughs) it boys. Thank you.
1: Thanks brother. We'll talk to you soon, my dude. All right. Yeah, man. Coach doc McMullen, one of my favorite people, like we said, um, what do you think about his conversation? Uh, what do you think about his journey too? I mean, he's, he's really seen a lot of different sides of the game. Uh, he's been able to be with the, the um, ops side. Obviously, he's done a lot of work in that. And he's really done a lot of work on the leadership side, coaching. So uh, mm. what were some key takeaways from that talk you had?
2: a lot of different key takeaways one his path I didn't know how many schools he was at and has attended and, and worked for number two the fact that he's a leadership PhD in leadership and a leadership coach on campus at he was at Puget Sound when he was there he's teaching a class and now he's teaching a course at Chapman um, for business and leadership it's really cool to see him pursuing other avenues as well as coaching and how coaching ties into not only sports but life that was very huge and the, the third one is hashtag girl dad let's go yeah, Cam. Like that's right, what a great girl dad dude such an awesome guy and I'm just so genuine at heart and really has the the best interest of the players but it's his personality his tenacity and and his persistence in his work and that's what I see with him it's so consistent in what he does Um, he sets out a good standard for his day as far as who he is and make sure that he takes care of himself as well as his players. And he goes and hits the recruiting trail hard. He's always on the phone, getting in with different coaches and people and just trying to find new athletes, new talent for that program, anybody who would be a good fit. So I just love his path. I love his story. I love how open he's been to it, how it doesn't need to be a head coach now. I know he wants to be a head coach one day. He's going to be a great head coach one day. His leadership is second to none. It's so fun to watch that, but he doesn't, he's not in a quick rush to get out. He loves Chapman. He loves where he's at in California. He loves his home and he loves where he's at with his wife. So it's really cool to see that see somebody embracing the moment and coaching is so tough because you're always so quick to looking out what's next, what's next, where can I go? How can I move up the food chain a little bit? But for him, he's totally okay with where he, where he's at and learning the skills that he needs to learn now to be the best head coach. when that opportunity opens up for him. Um, what about you Ray? What was kind of some of your takeaways there with, with coach cam?
1: Just he's so, true to himself you know he knows who he is uh and he's not going to change that you know he he's okay he understands that there's people out there that aren't a good fit you know or even for for him as a friend or for him as a player it's just not a right fit always and he's okay with that he gets that you're not going to please everybody and uh i think as long as you're true to yourself and uh being the best girl dad you can be uh i think he's going to be okay caroline you can tell it just melts him so uh mm-hmm. it's going to be really cool to watch him grow as a parent and and as a person just over these next few months for sure
2: I love it, man. We're so excited for you, Cam. We're pumped for where you're going, where you're headed. If you haven't listened to it as well, if you got to listen to this one, go back and listen to our first podcast. We might even have another one. I think we have two other ones with Coach Cam. One is strictly about leadership and the other one's on our YouTube for sure. And it's about recruiting with Tony Cappicelli. Um, He's such an awesome dude, man. He's with the Dodgers organization. The guy's a beast. He's been all over the place. And those two sit down and break down so many amazing questions from parents it was, it was directly inputted from parents and players as well as some myths about recruiting so go back and check that one out it's on our youtube channel at major league university it's so good and hearing his, his structure but also go back and listen to that first podcast with him he goes through his uh his ideals as far as leadership goes and his philosophy and his philosophy is so good it's a simple formula he teaches each one of his programs this every single time they step on campus in the fall and it's shown to be very successful not only in his classroom but on. On
1: the field as well. So I'm excited about that too. We learned so much from you, Cam, you're the man. Cam, we can't thank you enough man. And, and shout out to T Cap out there with the Dodgers. Also a legend. We'll have to get him back on the podcast just to just to sit and chat. I know he's got his podcast out there talking whiskey. So uh, okay. check that out too uh either way uh this has been a great episode we are very thankful that you guys are listening if you haven't subscribed uh and hit the bell we're we're putting out videos almost five times a week now uh, on youtube so youtube page is growing up 200 followers and, and we're on the road to a million maybe so uh thank you again for listening and we hope you guys all have a great week